everybody. Welcome to this episode of Points on the Board. I'm going to be your host for the evening. I'm Big John. Uh, William Del Pilar is off tonight on some personal business, so he'll come back uh, to the show next week. But for now, I'm going to take over. I'm in charge, damn it. And with me tonight, one of my oldest friends, original SG NBA editor. Currently, go check him out on his Substack, Coaching State of Mind. None other than Coach D. Coach D. What's going Dennis on? Dennis Velasco. How you doing, Dennis? It's all good. It's all good, brother. You know, Dennis, I have to say, you're a typical New Yorker. Like, you were somehow forced to move to the southern regions of this country. And now that you're down there, you're dominating. You're dominating. I, I'm, I'm, I'm reading up on you, brother. I hear you're now taking over the coaching world down there by storm. Uh, that's all people need to know. They don't even have to learn how to figure out how to spell your last name. They don't even have to worry if you're Asian, Filipino, Chinese, Japanese, whatever. There's no time for racism when you're this good, folks. That's all you need to know. Coach D, famous throughout the South. Nothing can stop this man. Not hurricanes, tornadoes, car accidents, rednecks, nothing. This man is on the move. He's going straight to the top. Coach D, Dennis, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. Thank you. Uh, you just hyping me up. Yeah. I feel like I should uh, beat somebody up. Uh, that's okay. I know you got the guns for it, brother. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be on that. Uh, on that list. I hope you know. Ah, oh, no, man. But uh, everyone, we brought uh, uh, Coach D. Dennis on to talk a little bit of preseason basketball. Uh, the NBA regular season is a little under a month away, so we're looking forward to that. A uh, couple of top stories we want to touch on get our get uh, Dennis's opinion on and uh, see if we can make some sense about them, uh, wrap our heads around them. So, uh, Dennis, let's start off with two of the top ones, which really almost have nothing to do with the on-court product. But the first one, generating a lot of controversy, um, Celtics head coach Ime Udoka suspended for one year for inappropriate conduct with a female staffer of the Boston Celtics. Now, we keep saying female staffer. Um, there's only one female staffer listed on the Celtics, so we we kind of know who it is. We're not going to say her name. Nah. But if it took 10 seconds to go on Google, you could figure it out because they, they only have one female staffer. So it's kind of, you know, one of these ridiculous attempts at uh, anonymity. But we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, and Dennis, this was a consensual relationship. There's been no allegations that it was coerced, any sort of sexual harassment or any sort of um, inappropriate behavior in terms of it being an unwanted advance. This is not a Me Too movement thing. This is not a Harvey Weinstein type of thing. Um, but the Celtics have a team policy against staff fraternization like a lot of like a lot of big organizations say hey if there's two people involved with each other they either at the very least have to be in different departments different offices whatever or it's just outright not allowed it's against company policy um now this has led to a lot of uproar for a lot of different reasons but the facts are the coach uh, udoka did have this inappropriate consensual relationship He's a married man, uh, actress Nia Long, I believe. Well, uh, they're, they're engaged. They're, they oh, have, I thought they were married. I apologize. They're yeah, engaged. Yeah. Um, and the female staffer, it came out, is also married. She's, she's right. married. Yep. Now, these are not legal distinctions, right? They're moral distinctions, if anything, right? But so, Dennis, he, I, let, there's a lot of things swirling around. I know there's been some prominent... NBA commentators like Stephen A came out and said, hey, man, this is messed up. I personally know of a lot of other coaches, executives, uh, NBA officials who are having these office affairs. Uh, I could name them if I had to, but he never did. Um, and they're not getting fired. They're not getting suspended. They're not losing their jobs. They're not losing their income. They're not being outed. Why is it that the an NBA head coach who just happens to be black, happens to be African-American, why is he the one that's getting called out? Of course, you've also got the opposite end of the spectrum, someone like a Jason Whitlock saying, hey, this has nothing to do with race. What it has to do is two people got caught violating a company policy, and this is what happened. 
Uh, both of these sound rather reasonable to me, okay? I don't have necessarily a political stake in this discussion, quite honestly. Um, what two consenting adults do, their own business. However, if you sign a contract with an organization and they say, hey, this, these are the terms of your employment, and you knowingly violate them, then you really can't complain, right? You may not like it, but you can't complain. So Dennis, I've talked a lot. I've kind of laid the groundwork for you. Let me hear your thoughts on this, man. All right, well, first of all, you know, everyone's saying that it was a consensual race relationship, um, but I believe it was Stephen uh, Jackson who said that, uh, you know, he at first he defended Ima uh, Udoka, but then he basically took that back because he heard that, you know, there was some rumblings where it may not have been consensual. I mean, oh, okay. Yeah. So apparently there's more to it. Like he didn't really reveal any sources or whatever. And, and, I'm sorry, Stephen Jackson is. He has a podcast. Um it's actually like a show also on Showtime. Okay. Uh, and he's a credible NBA reporter, a former player also. And, uh, you know, he was just saying that there's more to the story than, you know, what people know. Okay. So that, like, what he said is unsubstantiated, so I can't really say. I just thought I should put it out there. As sure, absolutely. Sort of like an alternative uh, a view and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, being on NBA Twitter, you know, that's a thing. Uh, a lot of people, their reaction was sort of like, oh, man, this is unfair. You know, why he's a Boston Celtics and, you know, uh, Udoka's you know, relationship and his business and, you know, that's between him and his wife. And fair enough, it is between him and Nia Long. Well, first of all, I don't even know how you cheat on Nia Long because Nia Long was just like a lot of people's crushes, you know. You kind of like that shit, right? Oh, oh man. You know, from Boys in the Hood, you know, <laughs> Bel Air. I mean, she was hot. Was. She was See, hot. to me, that's the, that's the key word, was. No, no, she still is hot. Oh, like, all right, all right. Oh, I think she's still hot, you know. She's got my type, I guess. I don't know, but whatever. Oh, yeah. Well, no, no, I had a big crush on her. But, you know, but regardless, yeah. you're right. Like, as you said, if you have this, um, you know, these standards in your organization right. and you sign a contract knowing that, then, yeah, you're going to have to, you know, abide by whatever the rule is. Yep. So, I mean, and he, like, I, I got to say, even Doka did not try to play the, oh, no, it wasn't me, oh, she's lying. He just said, okay, yep, yeah. I apologize. Busted, busted. Yeah, it's like he couldn't say anything, and I'm glad he didn't try to, you know, <laughs> stupid or whatever. Yeah. But now, he might actually be fired, <laughs> so... Yeah. Well, to be clear, he's been suspended for he's suspended, one, right. one season, right? Right. Now, let me ask you this. What I found amazing in this whole story is the quick jump to identity politics on both sides here, right? Mm -hmm. um, I saw a lot of the reactions, you know, like uh, on Undisputed, on uh, the morning shows, the talk shows. You know, you go on YouTube, they have all the the, the clips of people, right? What do you make of Stephen A. Smith? Now, that guy, obviously, basketball is his forte. Um, he loves stirring it up. There's a lot of showmanship in what he says. How much stock do you put in what he said that, like, this has to be something going on? Given the reality of the context of Boston, and for those of you that haven't been to Boston yet, it's the most openly hidden segregated city in america i would say if that makes sense in some way right, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like like even though it's against the law for obviously for segregation and discrimination and also taking into consideration that massachusetts boston is one of the most liberal blue states in the country there's still overt racism in the air in boston i mean you could almost feel it not it's not it's nothing like New York. New York compared to Boston is the way San Francisco is compared to like uh, to to Dallas or something. You know, it's it's right. it's Boston is still you. There's still these undercurrents of racism, in my opinion, in Boston, and a lot of people say that. Um, so when he came out, um, talking about Stephen A. Smith, and he immediately 
for lack of a better term, he, he immediately turned it racial. That, you know, uh, Udoka, yeah, he may have technically broken the rules, but if he wasn't a black man, if he wasn't a black coach in Boston, would this be the case? If it was Danny Ainge, would this be the case? If it was anybody else, would it be the case? I don't know how I feel about that because I'm trying to keep an open mind about the context. Like if he had come out the same situation in New York and claimed the same thing, I, I would tend to write it off. Or if it was like, say, in uh, Oakland, uh, in Golden State or something like that, I would say, eh, you know, maybe not. Boston, though, is keeping me from just jumping to that conclusion. Is this is is the same thing going on with you, or do you just, or, or are you just dismissing that angle altogether? Are you more like Jason Whitlock, who's like, yeah, man, it's not racial. The guy broke some rules. It's an embarrassment for the organization. Like, I don't know where you fall on that spectrum, man. Talk to me. Um, yeah, I like Jason Whitlock is like he's very much like a Stephen A. Smith, where he'll say like a lot of right. crazy stuff, but. Uh, I agree with him on this one. You know what I mean? I, I think Stephen A. Smith was kind of reaching over there because the Celtics had just gone to the NBA Finals. Right. And wh what was the big difference from every other year where they couldn't even make it to the Eastern Conference Finals? It was Ime Udoka. Right. right? Um, so he was actually loved by, you know, the city because he was almost a winner. He took, <laughs> him, he took him to the Finals. He took him to the Finals, right. Yeah. And, um, you know, like, I'm I, obviously I'm not black, but I'm a person of color. Right. And usually with um, a lot of, uh, like, white people, I've gotten into talking about a person of color angle. Um, you know, dude, dude, don't make me say what went through my head when you said I'm a person of color. Oh, what's that? <laughs> I don't know. I was going to say something like, we're talking about black, not yellow in this case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Take it easy. Take it easy. No, I'm sorry, man. I, I'm sorry, man. I'm getting over the COVID. You know, I had a touch of the COVID. Right, I'm, still getting, right. I'm a little dizzy. So you got to cut me some slack on that. My, my humor isn't going to be all there, brother. Right, right. So, you know, just, I guess, for a little more uh, street cred, yeah. uh, you know, I'm friends, I'm friends with an uh, NYPD officer. Sure. And, you know, he helped me out with a situation, you know, the other week. And we don't agree on politics at all, but like right. we grew up together. So, right. you know, we're cool. Like, right. of we're, we're not our politics. You know what I'm saying? We're people. So, you know, right. we, we had a relationship before politics. Right. Um, and then he was just talking about like being a cop and he doesn't get why uh, Black people hate police officers. And I was like, I do because <laughs> I know the history. Like I understand right, the history. Right. And it's like, of course you do. So that being said, um, it, I don't think it's appropriate here. Odoka okay. broke a rule. Yeah, yeah, he just happens to be in Boston. He just happens to be black, but essentially, he broke an organization's rule. Um, now, what about the contention that had not the Celtics, in essence, leaked the fact? that there was this affair that they could have swept it under the rug um they probably could have but from what i understand it was the woman's husband that basically ratted them out okay so, so he was going to make trouble right and I, he's has nothing to do with the organization so right. it would have been like a third party he could have done whatever he wanted right and he would have just so what you're saying is this guy being sort of the guy who got cucked in all this is he could have made quote pr trouble by just putting it out there like hey right. this coach has been banging my wife on the side yeah um and and maybe you're saying the Celtics got ahead of that yeah i mean apparently um, Udoka knew the Celtics were investigating him back in July. Mm. So, like, all this coming out, it was like a slow burn. So, the Celtics, you know, if you want to do that whole race thing, yeah, they were trying to kind of sweep it under the, the rug, but it just couldn't work because they couldn't control this factor, you know, right. that husband, you know, going out and saying, oh, yeah, I have proof. I don't know if he has proof, but, like, you know, he knew about it, you know, so... Right. What, do you think there was any legal liability there for the Celtics? Um, I don't think so because they basically 
set the tone because it's their rule. You right. know, because right. I mean, how many times does like a husband and wife meet at work? You know what I mean? Or how many people? A lot. A lot. Yeah, that's what that's I'm saying. Where, that's where I met my wife. But what I'm trying to what I'm trying to get at is by legal liability, I mean, do you think they were afraid that the woman or the woman and her husband uh, together would have sued the Celtics for like a hostile work environment or anything like that? Yeah, I think that was definitely possible, especially, you know, given what Steven Jackson had said about, right. yeah, it, it was not as consensual as, you know, if they're being let on. Like, we don't know all the facts, you know right, what I mean? Right. Obviously, we're not Ime Doka and we're not this woman, you know. Um, so it's really hard to say, you know, it's kind of like speculating on an injury. Sure. Like, like, I saw him, he twisted his knee, he must have an, like an ACL tear. How do we know? You know, we're not doctors. We haven't treated him. You know, it's just being Monday morning quarterback. You know, we, we just don't know. Right, right. Well, let's see what happens because the Celtics have had some, they've had a little bit of a run of bad luck this, uh, you know, off season. Um, right. Yeah. And, um, you know, Galinari was it, uh, towards ACL. Right. Robert Williams is going to be out now. They say, maybe eight to 12 weeks because he had a second surgery on his knee. The time so, Lord. Yeah. Right. And then, and, and now their head coach, the guy who really had them gel last year, especially they came on late in the second half. Um, also in the Celtics who were looking like, Hey, here's a team that can make it to the finals again. Maybe they pick up the right veteran or two in free agency. They, they're good. You know, they can make another run at it. All of a sudden, Dennis, are they still, kind of favored to come out of the east and make it into the finals again yeah i mean as far as like players go i would think they're up there um we just don't know how the new coach is going to do but they did add malcolm brogdon mm -hmm. and i was just like making the rich richer because malcolm brogdon is like one of the right. best points is so underrated right uh, people don't really know because he's going like play series in indiana he's a really, really good play. Like he does it all. Like literally. right, right, right. Um, and then you know, yeah, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, already the Time Lord. Uh, I mean, this they would be up there, but <laughs> I do think it's gonna be the Milwaukee Bucks if they stay healthy. Because yeah, I remember last year right. they faced the Celtics. They didn't have Chris Middleton. Right. You know I mean? So you you have Chris Middleton in there for scoring and defense, you know, it would have been a different story. It would have been the right. Bucks again in the finals. So right. if everyone's healthy for them, you know, I think the Bucks will take the East. Um, and then, you know, you got my Brooklyn Nets. You don't know what's going to happen with them. You know, it's all about chemistry right. at this point. So, yeah. All right. So the Celtics, we'll see how their season turns out. Um, but they're certainly heading into it on the wrong foot, like with all this stuff that's been happening to them. All right. The other big, um, one of the other big things that's being talked about, uh, Phoenix Suns owner and also Phoenix Mercury owner, if anybody cares about the WNBA, and apparently not too many people do. I do. <laughs> Robert Sarver. Uh, mm -hmm. He was forced to sell the team over allegations of racism and misogyny within both his teams, both the, the Phoenix Suns and uh, the Mercury. Um, now, this ranges from he made some inappropriate remarks in terms of gender. He made some inappropriate remarks in terms of race. The NBA did something, I believe like a 10 or 12 month investigation. Uh, they were gonna come down hard on him. Sarver decided to voluntarily, I think, uh, before he got whacked, decided he wanted to put the team up for sale and just get out of that business. Now this is slightly different than what happened with the uh, with the Kings, when their owner who got caught, you know, with being a senile old man making all those comments and you know about yeah, that's the the Clippers, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, not the Kings, the Clippers. You're right, the yeah, LA Clippers. Yeah. I, I apologize. Um, and uh, you know they basically took his team away, but they took it away via the the wife. Uh, taking it from them in, in divorce court, so it wasn't the it wasn't really the NBA, but the NBA kind of lucked out because they got the result they wanted without having to exercise any sort of legal muscle or sue them or take them to court. In this case, the league was prepared to exercise 
a sanction by by forcing him to give up the team. Uh, and, and he's agreed to has he actually sold it yet or has he just agreed to sell it? No, he's agreed to sell it. And actually, the NBA came out soft on this, you know, according to a lot of players, you know, especially like uh, the superstars. Mm-hmm. They're just going to keep him away from his team for one year. That's it. So do you think that's what they said, hoping to negotiate with him to sell the team? Um, I don't think so. I mean, if you look at the timeline, uh, it was like, all right, you know, you suspended for one year. Then there was an outrage, right? <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. First of all, like just in principle, I hate it when owners are being are forced to sell their teams. I agree like, with you 100%. Yeah. yeah like, I think, yeah, I, I, like, I don't like that. Um, you know, obviously it's like, uh, it's the the climate right now is very um woke right uh, yeah fair enough uh, yeah you know if william was here he'd be jumping up and down yeah yeah you're, yeah, you're right. yeah. yeah yeah so you know he was i i think he was just smart enough to know that if he stayed on right because of everything that he's done you know allegedly we don't know um that the value of his team would go, would decrease. Sure. Um, and if there was any time to sell, it would be now because the Suns were in the finals, you know, not these last finals, but the finals previous. Right. And um, they're looking strong to become like a finals team again. So the value of his team and just NBA franchises in general are very high. So he's going to get maximum value by selling right now. Well, he's cutting his losses. That's for that's for Dan. No, because... he, he definitely is cutting his losses, but yeah. I, I don't think he, if he stayed on and tried to sell it like uh, after a year, you know, oh, then he'd be over a barrel. Because if the yeah. league had mandated that he had to sell his team, that's a tricky situation, right? Because it like the way I see it, it's almost like um, eminent domain. Right. You know, like when the state takes your property, which I've never understood, but when the state takes your property, supposedly there's, suppo- there's a trial judge who says, yeah, the state didn't offer you enough. They're trying to get it on the cheap, you know, so, you know, up the offer by 20% or some, you know, there's supposedly a judge that sits through this and is trying to get you fair value, fair compensation. I wonder how that works with the league. If the league says you got to get rid of your team because we don't want you as part of our club anymore, right? And, well, I'm sure, and I'm sure all the owners have the bylaws that they've signed and agreed to that says I can't do this or else I'll get kicked out. I I understand that part, but well, I believe that it's um he only would have been forced to sell if I believe it's sixty percent the majority the stake, right? Right. If the sixty percent of the other governors, you know, they don't call them owners anymore. If 60% of the other governors had said or, or had voted, yeah, we want him out, then they could force him to sell his team. But if you think about it, all these owners or governors, I mean, they're probably the same as he is, you know, from the most. Well, that, you know, that it's a weird type of thing. As you know, I'm a libertarian. So to me, I hate being forced to do anything. Yeah. But, but having said that, it doesn't mean that I think you have the right to be an a-hole to everybody. Right. And right that you, or that you should be an a-hole to everybody. But if you are an a-hole to everybody and it's your choice and you're not forcing them or being physically abusive with them, I'm always left with this conundrum. Like my personal thing, like yourself, is, look, if the guy is a racist idiot, then his team will suffer. Do you know what I mean? Because nobody yeah. will want to play for him. Right. Like the only the only players they'll have are guys that get drafted who agree to them for an outrageous sum to stay on the team and they won't be a good team. He'll lose money at the gate. Fans will stop showing up. No mm-hmm. free agents will sign with him, right? If he's right. really a racist a-hole who treats people like crap, right? And that goes for the Mercury as well. They have and a good team, though. Yeah, they have a good team, though. Yeah, but to me, that's the way you handle a racist, right? Yeah. The way you handle a racist, alleged racist, is you expose him or her, and you let you let the community deal with them. Listen, 
in some instances, I couldn't care less if someone's a racist if they're providing me a service that I really need. Like if you think about it, like if there's, assume that you have the world's greatest chiropractor and you have the world's worst back. <laughs> and you go in there, the guy, he's the only one who can crack your back in such a way that you can walk without pain. But yeah. the guy's a racist idiot. Yeah. You might decide that, hey, for that half hour that I'm in there getting treatment, I'll put up with this crap. Yeah. Because he's the only guy who can fix my back. And to me, a back that works is more important than having to not hear him be a racist. Right. Um, see, I, and this is where, like, to your point, where you said earlier, I hate to see any owner forced to sell his team, any governor forced to sell his team. It also brings up the market value. Once people know that you're being forced to sell your team, what does that do to the price? It tanks it. Mm -hmm. And if I'm another owner in the NBA, the last thing I need is for any team to go below market value. Because right. that means my team's market value goes down. Right. These guys all make money that the worst team in the worst market in your league is being uplifted by the rising tide of the value of every other team. Right. Like you may hate Jerry Jones, but you got to love the fact that his team is worth two, three billion dollars. Because if I'm another owner, I could play off of that. Yeah. If Jones was forced to sell the Cowboys, say in the NFL, for like one billion, which is probably ha less than half its value, what does that do? It makes every other team like, yeah, we got the Cowboys for a billion. Why would we pay two billion for the Giants? Right, right, right. You see what I'm saying? So the I Cowboys have to be worth more than that, though. No, the Cowboys are worth a lot more than a billion. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, I don't let's, know. let's assume they got him. Let's say the allegations about Jones were true. Yeah. And and he was forced to sell his team. How do you how do you execute that? Like the only way that would happen is if you came to a clandestine agreement, clandestine agreement to say, look, we'll let you make as much dough as you can, but you got to be done with this team in a year. Yeah. They could have done the same thing to this guy, right? They could have said, like, look, we're gonna say we're spending you for a year, but you're never coming back. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe there were some like back channel talks like that. Yeah, yeah. But but you know, it's, it's like I think the NBA went soft because they knew they were gonna get they weren't gonna get the sixty percent votes from support. the board. Yeah, because you know, they all support each other and like you know, it's sort of like that stereotypical, you know, the good old boys network. Yeah. So you know, it would have been tough, but like you said. No one would want to play for him. And, you know, you brought up Donald Sterling before. Yeah. That was true, too. No one wanted to play for him. And the Clippers sucked yeah. for decades. Yeah. You know what I mean? They lucked out a couple of times with, like, you know, Danny Manning and Ron Harper, like, when they were there. But for the most part, they always stunk because well, no one well, wanted to play there. You're right. And, I, I mean, it's a different sport, but it's the same thing. If you remember, when in, then, in the NFL, no free agent wanted to go to Green Bay. No yeah. free agent, no black free agent wanted to go to Green Bay for two reasons. One, it's freezing up there. Who the hell wants to go to live in Green Bay for a right, right. side of the year? But then the second thing is, and this was a running joke, when Reggie White got to Green Bay, uh, he, he when he famously said, God told me to go to Green Bay. When he would walk around Green Bay, people recognize him. They say, hey, it's Reggie White. He's our new black player that we got in free agency. Every other black free agent that went to Green Bay, they would tell the story jokingly that if they walked into a mall or something, people would point to them and go, hey, Reggie. Oh, my God. Right? It's the old joke that to yeah. those people in Green Bay, all black guys look the same. Right, right, right. So there was some truth to the fact that Green Bay was not a hospitable market for African-American free agents. And it took Reggie White going there it took Reggie White turning down dollars in Philly and New York and San Francisco to say, God told me to go to Green Bay. Whether you believe in God or not, he felt he had a mission to go to Green Bay. If this guy was really a racist starver in, in Phoenix, and forget allegations, forget the law. If the players themselves, and let's face it, they know what's up. They know, they know what's oh, up. Oh, yeah. They know what's up. 
if they were they if they knew the guy was a racist and they said, you know what, I'm not playing for him. I don't care how much money he throws at me. Or like you said, maybe the biggest scrub in the NBA signs there for top dollar for max contract because that's the only way they'll field the team. Guess what? He'll sell the team. He'll have no choice. Yeah. Nobody goes into business to lose money. Nobody. Right. right. So to me, that's probably a better way of handling it. Let the market sort it out. I, I don't know, man, because like like you said, how, what are the what are the Suns and the Mercury worth? I mean, you know, he'll get top dollar from him because you know he's got great players on both teams. And they took his money. Then they, you know, I'm assuming they're gonna know that. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm talking more of the NBA. Yeah, you know, because Chris Paul wanted to stay. He wanted a lot of money. He wanted an extension. Devin Booker just got a huge extension like last year. Right. Aiden. You know, Aiden just got a yeah. huge. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, although Aiden did want to leave, <laughs> did want to leave because the Pacers gave him a deal. The Suns just matched it. Yeah, he did want to leave, but it had more to do with the coach as you know, as opposed to Sarver. So. You know, people will take, I mean, money talks, you know. Now, let me ask you something. Was it Sarver who did that um, that PSA a while ago uh, where they're all on the court and then some kids are playing ball or whatever, and then they go, hey, man, that was gay. And then everybody's like, yo, you can't use that word. That's offensive. You know, what, was it the Suns? I, I almost in my mind think it was the Suns. You know, I'm not sure. I just remember... That being a big deal with Wanda Sykes. Right. You you know the commercial I'm talking about. The yeah, yeah, commercial. yeah. I, I don't remember who was Sarver, though. It might have been Wanda Sykes, though. You're right. In the commercial it's that came Wanda out. Sykes. It's not cool to say something. Yes. It had to, I remember Wanda Sykes. Right. But it, like, it, oh. But that's how I found out that she was a lesbian. I was like, oh, she's a lesbian. Yeah. She's like de Blasio's wife. She switched teams, like, in the middle. She just decided, like, so... Um, in New York, uh, former mayor Bill de Blasio's wife, um, I forget her first name right now, but she was a lesbian. By the way, I'm not trying to make a joke out of this. This is her explanation. She was a lesbian until he, she met her husband, then she became straight to marry him. Okay. <laughs> that was her explanation. That's not, hey. I'm not putting words in her mouth. That was her hey. explanation. Hey. Good, good for her, you know what I'm saying? Right? And Wanda Sykes is the opposite. I think she was married to a man uh, and then at some point realized she she was a lesbian and then gotcha. pursued that route at some point. But yeah. you're right, because there was a lot of people in the comedy community. I guess in the community, they knew she was a lesbian, but the public didn't really get a sense of it until she came out with the wife or something, you know? So, right, right. But, but I get it. But she was in that commercial like, don't say gay. Yeah, gay yeah, not yeah. Right. It's not cool, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I could I could have sworn it was the Suns. Maybe it was around the time Nash was still playing. But I somehow yes. remember it being the Suns. I could yeah. be wrong. But yeah. anyway. Okay. So uh, we talked about Udoka and his suspension. We talked about Robert Sarver. Uh, in essence, uh, forced might be the wrong word, but de definitely seeing the writing on the wall and selling this team. Yeah. The thing I want to talk about is we talked about the NBA player uh, rankings that were put out by ESPN. Right. Now, I have the top 10 list here. They did their top 100, I think, right? Or their top yeah, 50. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, top, 100, yeah. top 100. We're not going to go over all of them, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. But we'll look at the top 10. I'm going to read them off. Then I want uh, we'll go back and you give me some ideas, you give me some thoughts, you give me some context, all right? So according to ESPN, the top, and this is not fantasy, this is just in real basketball, the top 10 NBA player rankings, I'm going to look over here to make sure I get them right, Coach D, it's number one, Giannis, number two, Jokic, number three, Luka Doncic, uh, four, Joel Embiid, five, Stephen Curry, six, LeBron, seven, Jason Tatum, eight, Kevin Durant. Nine, John Moran, uh, who I think is a fan of yours, is he not? <laughs> uh, and uh, rounding out the top 10, Devin Booker. Now, uh, when this list came out, there was an objection to this list. And the objection came, ironically enough, from the guy who's listed number one. Giannis said, I shouldn't be number one. Yeah, Steph Curry should be number one because he won a ring. He got a ring last year. So based on that, 
he should be number one, not me, which is an interesting thing for Giannis to say. I don't know if it was a PR stunt or if he really felt that way. Uh, Giannis is one of the most sincere NBA players out there. Um, right. You know, because he even said, yeah, you know, maybe like the other year when the Bucks won, yeah, I was the best player. Right. So, you know, he's just being honest and he sort of keeps that standard like, oh, yeah, whoever won the title should be number one. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, so, no, I think Giannis is definitely being sincere when he says that he thinks Steph Curry should be. Right. Um, I don't think so. I think Giannis should be number one. <laughs> but I don't think Steph Curry's, what was it, five? I don't think yeah. it's five. Really? Steph you don't even got him in the top five. You got him out of the top five. No, I have him at two. Oh, you have him at two. Oh, yeah. You, you think he's too low at five? Ah, so low. I mean, really? You know, who's there before him? Jokic? Okay, you can maybe argue that, you know, back to back MVPs. Luka Doncic? Luka Doncic is not better than Steph Curry. Well, yeah. that was the one that jumped out at me. I know a lot of people have other names here they might object to, and I'm sure you'll have something to say about it. Doncic at three seems to be an overreaction or a reaction, I should say, to his playoff run last season. Um, I don't think he comes in at number three, do you? Oh, heck no. No <laughs> way, no way. Oh, you know, and look, I love Luka Doncic. Yeah. I think he's going to be, you know, the next big superstar. I mean, he's a superstar now, but I'm talking about, like, where he goes above that, where he's almost like LeBron, you know what I mean, right. in terms of, like, uh, you know, he's just so awesome. And, and he is. Uh, you know, because usually, like with a lot of NBA players, uh, you will take the GOAT, Michael Jordan. When do they elevate themselves, right? Oh, it's the playoffs, yeah. Right, in the playoffs. So, Jordan, great scorer, but he didn't start winning titles until he started passing the ball, facilitating the offense, right? So, uh, Jokic, Doncic is there in terms of like being able to facilitate the offense and pass right. the ball and still be a scoring threat. But he hasn't, you know, hasn't won anything yet. I know he had a nice run last year, but, you know, he, he has to do that more consistently. You know, you want it to be number three? No way. Yeah, I bring Dodgers down. You know, I, I like, I like, I love him as a, love him as a player, but he's not number three. No way. Well, it's interesting because, for example, I don't know that I'd have LeBron James at six. No way. That's low to me. Yeah, I I mean, I don't. I think I, I wonder if this these rankings were so heavily influenced by postseason success. Like, you know how sometimes when people who vote for MVP will say you can never have an MVP from a losing team, right? Right? Or an MVP has to be an everyday player in baseball. They'll never make. They'll never vote for a pitcher to be MVP because they want an right. everyday player to be an MVP. Right. Um, I'm wondering how much of that went into these rankings, you know, because like, for example, Jason Tatum to me seems low at seven. I think he's high. You think like, he's high at seven? And, us, uh, and I'll tell you what, he's not better than Kevin Durant. He's definitely, I mean, let's look at the playoffs. He was so inconsistent. Yeah, he, he had some great games. Right. He had some other games where he just disappeared. He was not efficient. That in scoring, right? Yeah, and he like people want oh, Jason Tatum is playing. You know, you know what I mean. There's no way that he's better than Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is so low at eight. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a, a Nets fan, but it's like look at last year before he got hurt. Everyone was saying he was the MVP, but then he well, gets hurt. And well, then do you, think, do you think it's based on last year's numbers and that's why he gets dinged up by being dropped to eight? No, no, because then if you're going by the numbers, like if you're talking about just like averages, he'd be up there. Mm. You know, the problem is that, you know, the voting was after all this drama. Mm. So Kevin Durant saying, oh, I want to be traded, that it had to have like affected the voting here. You think it left a bad taste in the voters' mouth? Oh, yeah, because if you look at it, look at the national uh, schedule. Right. right? Now, the Nets, you know, they have Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, Joe Harris, Seth Curry. Like, all of these guys are 
you know, superstars, known great role players. Seth Curry and Joe Harris, they're top five in shooting percentage from the three career-wise. You know right. what I'm saying? So they're going to technically, you know, <coughs> excuse, excuse me, they should be a good team. But because of all the drama, when they were sending the NBA schedule on TV, they didn't have that many games. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's what happened here with the voting where Kevin Durant slid all the way to eight. It's like, oh, yeah, we don't know what, what it's going to be like. You know, I feel he's going to be on the Nets or whatever. Right. You know, so I think that's how he slid. But there's no way Kevin Durant is eight. Jason Tatum's not better than him. Uh, Joel Embiid's not better than him. Uh, Luka Doncic is not better than him. So immediately, you know, he has to. So you're you're really putting uh, Durant maybe at three. Uh, I would I would personally put him at three. So so, um, let's continue before I ask you for your list. But who else is on this list that you think shouldn't be on this top ten list? Um, I don't know. Like Devin Booker at ten is sort of like on the cusp for me, but. I can understand why he's there right. because, you know, the Suns had like the best record, you know, during the regular season. Right, right. Um, yeah, obviously he didn't show up as much as he that you would like in the playoffs, but he's on the I'll, – I'll leave him in there. Like I'll say these top ten players is pro- are probably the ten players I have in the mix. Okay. But Booker would be like, you know, on the cusp. So if you had if you were getting rid of Booker, who would you replace him with? Oh, man, uh, I, I don't I don't know. It, there, I mean, there's a lot. To, like, like, would you put Kyrie on this list somewhere? You, see, that's where if he played every single game, or at least you know he say he was vaccinated and he played his regular sixty five games, right? Um, I would put him in the top ten. Well, that's the whole point, right? Ifs and buts, candies and nuts, right? And all that fun stuff. Like, given the situation as is, would you still put him in the top 10, Kyrie? I wouldn't put him in the top 10 right now because um, the season hasn't started yet. Okay. There's always a promise that he's going to play. We know that he's able to play. Canada recently just lifted their band so he can play in Toronto. Um so I would put I would put I would take out Devin Booker and put Kyrie there, just on sheer talent. I mean, look, look at his numbers. Just look at his averages. You know, from last year when he played, it was like twenty-seven points, uh, right. six assists, five rebounds, whatever. Um, and you have to like game plan for him. So hard to game plan for him. Not on that Kevin Durant level where you know you're just gonna get torched. You know, it's just like right. kind of torch you by. Kyrie's almost on that level, you know, because he can get to the rim almost at will. Right. He's a shooter. I mean, he's very efficient last year. Um, you know, he's had a uh a, a 50, you know, over 50% field goal, uh 90% from three uh uh free throw line, and over 40% on you know threes. So right. there's only been like several players that have done that in NBA history, and he is one of them. Okay. So I would put him definitely in the top 10 over Booker um, before the season because, you know, it's a new season. Right. Uh, There aren't as strict COVID restrictions now. So, well, is there anyone else here that you're a little shaky about? What about John Moran? I mean, I like the kid as a player. Yeah. Um, Do you put him at nine? Do you think he maybe he's top 15, but maybe not top 10? I, I leave him at nine. I put him at nine. Yeah, he he's definitely on that level, you know. But the crazy part is, as great as he is individually, his team is actually better than him. <laughs> in that, when he was injured and out, they were like thirty and five or something. They, so, picked, up, they picked up the pace. They picked up yeah. the slack. Yeah, I mean, they they have arguably the best backup point guard in Tyus Jones, though. Mm. So. Tyus Jones is a different player. He's not going to take it to the rim. He's not going to score a ton of points, but he can run an offense. You know what I mean? And, you know, yeah, like Desmond Bay stepped up. Jaron Jackson, when he's healthy, you know, he's he's very good, you know, uh, two-way player. He can hit the three and play defense, get blocks and stuff. 
and you know, great coaching. Um, but I would I would leave Ja at nine, just almost on just sheer talent alone. He's just so yeah. ridiculous, you know. Um, what about my What about my man uh, down in Miami who had a nice run? I kind of started uh, getting into his play last year, Jimmy Butler. Hey, I, I love I love Jimmy Butler, um, but I want to put him in the top ten. He is like if you're talking about just like playoff performers, clutch. Yeah, he's like the best. Yeah, I still thought that he didn't take that three. Like he could have gone taking the two, but you know it has a pivotal game. But well, he was exhausted that game. He he was, oh, he was trying to he was trying to end it. You know where oh, he was just like yeah. yeah, I should be driving the hoop, but you know what? If I hit the three, we're done. You know, right. and it's like. Oh no! I mean, you have to like like that he did that because he's a dog. I mean, like, oh, you I don't have that. to like it. I didn't like it, but I yeah. understand it. I understand it. I didn't like it. I think we talked about it when it happened. I didn't yeah, like yeah. it. Like, uh, like as a coach, like if I were coaching, I'd be losing my mind. I'd be pulling my hair out that he did that. But yeah, you know, it's it's really because um, down south over here, uh, for the varsity team that I coach one of the players that will be in our program, his dad is actually a Grizzlies coach. There you go. So, you know, and uh last I hope you don't year, let that I hope you don't let that clown on your court, man. Yeah, yeah. right. You, you can't have that. If you're the coach, yeah. you're the coach, Coach D. Right, right. No, 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 no. You can't have that. No, I'm trying to learn from the guy. You crazy. <laughs> but um yeah, but the, last year, you know our school, and I was in there last year, had this great player. Um, you know, he gets since transferred to, like, one of the best, like, schools in the nation. Right, right. But the problem was he would take over the game, and he he would just take over the game where, yeah, he would pass the ball, but it just wasn't the same. And, like, he wouldn't run plays and everything right. like that. You know, it's kind of like with John Moran. Like, if he doesn't want to play, are you going to get mad at him? Because he scored, right? He just didn't want to play, so it's like, you know, it's always sort of like that conundrum. Like you have such a yeah. great player, but they didn't, but they freelance, and you gotta let them be, and you know, it's uh, it's a weird situation, especially as a coach, because you know, what are you gonna do? You know what I mean? It's tough because, look, man, uh, you're getting up in years, and I'm up on years on you. Coming up you didn't do stuff like that. If you wanted to be part of the team, like your high school team, your college team, your, you know, AAU team, whatever, you did what the coach said. Yeah. Uh, growing up, I'll tell you who my coach was in uh, junior high. It was Steve Lapis. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, he went on to coach uh, Villanova at one point. Right. And that guy didn't mess around. I remember one time, you know, I'm the chubby guy, you know, like uh, I come in just to give five fouls, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, basketball wasn't for me. I was more the football player, the wrestler, you know, like basketball was just because I was tall, you know, like I'm 6'3", right. so they would put me in at like shooting guard or something, you know. But that guy was a drill sergeant. Like I remember one time I said, I don't feel like, he told me to run laps. I said, I don't feel like running. And he said, you're going to run and you're going to run in dress shoes. Go put on dress shoes and run in dress shoes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And I was like, what the F is he telling me to do? And he stood over me. He intimidated the crap out of me. He just, you know, like I was 12 or 13 at the, he was standing over me and he was like, I said, put on your dress shoes and run the laps in dress shoes. And next time when I tell you to do it, you do it without any back talk. You know, I was like, like the army over here man right i can't imagine a coach doing that to any kid on any level now that it would immediately yeah. be a firestorm right yeah and i know i sound like the old guy get off my lawn you damn kids but the truth of the matter is as like your coach obviously i shouldn't be talking you should be talking here uh how do you maintain that instructional control like uh, for teachers there's something called instructional control which means without getting violent without getting physical you can command through your method of instruction you command your students attention you command their respect and their loyalty 
How do you do that? Like, are, are the kids, even if you want, compare kids in New York to kids in the South, if that makes a difference in your answer. Um, how do you actually, I'm really interested in that. How do you exercise that instruction of control nowadays? Yeah, you know, I have to say I've been fortunate where I haven't had any issues. Right. Um, you know, I think definitely one is I'm a big guy. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? You know, I could be uh, a little intimidating, but also, you know, um, I actually went to a basketball trainers conference in Dallas recently, and Phil Handy was there, mm. and he's the assistant for the uh, Los Angeles Lakers. And I love he's like my idol uh, when it comes to training. Um, yeah, he says something there where it's like, oh yeah, I do that. He says, if you sweat, I sweat, mm. meaning that during training sessions, right, you're putting in all this work and just as hard as you, right, um, and like down south over here. Like that actually came up like very recently where one of our kids and he's crazy talented. His brother's a pro. Uh, he's going to like uh, camps at Alabama and was personally invited to Kentucky by, you know, uh, the head coach. And, you know, he, he's really good. So I was doing drills on one half court and uh, the, the actual head coach, was doing on his side. So he calls over, he's like, Coach D, can you come on this side? I was like, what the fuck? I'm working with these guys on this side. So I'm walking, I'm meeting him at half court. I was like, why the fuck? I'm down here. He's like, coach D, come on, man. Like, you really think, you know, this other coach is gonna get up? He's right now. So that's where the, you sweat, I sweat actually came right there. It's like, right. this kid is going to listen to me. He wants me to coach him right. because I'm I'm sweating with these other kids. I'm there in front of him. I'm getting rebounds and right. you know all that stuff. So that's like one way to do it. Um, I think, the, and there are two other things. And one is more important than the other. Um, the less important one is know your shit. Mm. You really, I mean, know your shit. Um, because, like, for example, I was teaching defense. So these kids, they were getting passes and they were shooting. And I can't jump. And these guys can jump and very athletic, whatever. I so can't even the, Wait, let me understand this. You're yeah. not white and you still can't jump? Yeah. Well, I can't jump because I'm old and my knees are <laughs> Okay. Oh, so you straighten it out. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Because I do jump. Like, I could dunk. I'm only, like, 5'10", but I could dunk uh, back in the day. But so – you know, and I, I was gaining weight, but I still have quick hands. So during this drill, I was I just kept stealing the ball. You know, I'm, I'm like stripping them as they're shooting, right? And I was like, how come I'm able to do this? I'm old, I'm slow, I'm fat, but you guys can't get a jumper up. And they're like, you're just good. I'm like, no, it has nothing to do with it because I'm using this, right? Because I see where your shooting slot is. I see how you hold the ball. Right, I see where your set point, where your trigger point is, and where your shooting point is. So I'm looking at your trigger, like your your set point right. rather, and I'm stripping the ball because you're showing me the ball. Right, I'm stripping them every single time, and I was like, "Why are you taking off balance shots?" Because I'm looking and seeing what your normal footwork right. is, where you're comfortable, and after you take your stuff, your shots. I'm going to get in the space that you want to be in. So I'm simply right. taking six inches more to the left, six inches more to the right, six inches more it's forward, depending on how you like to shoot. That's why you guys are shooting off balance and missing your shots. It has nothing to do with me being more athletic. I'm not tall. These kids are all taller than me. Right. Okay? Right. So I know my shit. The more important one, and probably the most important thing in coaching is – Players don't care what you know if they don't know that you care. Mm. So all these kids, like, I'm invested in them. I ask them, how's school? How's your parents? I hear about a situation. I'm like, oh, how is that going? Right. Um, you know, this kid uh, that went to, like, uh, Camp in Alabama, he got back at 12.45 a.m. from the camp on a Friday night. And how did I know it was 12.45 a.m.? Because he texted me. <laughs> he said, hey, coach, I just got back home. I'll see you tomorrow at practice. There you go. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, how about I just see you tomorrow at practice? <laughs> you know what I mean? But because he knows I can't, because I, right. I was like, all right, you're gonna go on this camp. Good luck at camp. Let me know right. how it goes. Right. Right. So, you know, it's because he knows I care. Well, you know, it's one of those things that I, I'm going to say young men, but it's really young athletes. But I, I just tend to say young men. But it's something young men have and have traditionally had that's helped them throughout life is that relationship they have with these secondary father figures, which a lot of times tend to be coaches. Yeah. And um, you do see it where grown men who are 60 years old will run into their coach and they'll be like, Hey coach, Hey sir. Like to that, you know, after knowing yeah. them for 40 years, it's still that yeah. respect where you won't call them by their first name. You won't call yeah. them by their last name. It'll be Hey coach or sir. Yeah. And you see it. And like, I found myself doing it, you know, with guys from 40 years ago. Um, Hey coach, you know, like you just don't even give it a second thought. You know, it's yeah. not like I'm never going to call that guy Doug. You know, I'm not gonna walk. Right, up, right, right. I, I'm not gonna walk up to Steve Lapis and say, "Hey, Steve, what's up?" Right, if he right. remembers me at all, it'll be, "Hey, Coach." Yeah. Um. So I, I get what you're saying that when 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 kid and it's actually a great metaphor even in business. Say, like if you run a business, if you're a manager, if you're a vice president or something, you've got people working for you. One of the greatest qualities you can have is that they understand that you have their best interests at heart that you actually care about them because by your caring about them, you're also caring about the company. You're, you're also caring about the team. Right. And what you said is very important. It's that that kid respected you enough that you just told me about to say, you know, coach D might be worried about me. Mm -hmm. he might be worried if I got home. Okay. He might right. be worried if I had a bad kid. I'm going to drop him a quick text. Maybe you could start teaching him about what times are appropriate to text or not. That's a yeah. different story. Right, right. But the fact that that kid remembered, like, that's something you do with your moms. You know, when you go out right, on your right, first right. adult party, right, your first grown-up party, like, text me the second you get there and then text me when you're on your way home, right, because I'm going to lose my mind. That's something you do for your moms, right? But here's the kid. this kid thought of you, and he's like, I'm going to let Coach D know. Now, the next time you grab him and say, hey, man, after 10 o'clock forget it i'm with my lady i don't want to hear from you at 10 o'clock you know? right, right, like, right. but 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 you got to appreciate the kid's passion and the kid's thoughtfulness in that case i would think so i i hear what you're saying that's actually a great point and um you know what it looks like we should wrap up the show because this was a great conversation we covered a lot of topics we talked a little bit about your coaching and how you like to address that method so uh, Coach D, I also want to congratulate you. I heard that your your son and sometimes uh, points on the board guest, uh, Holden Velasco, is now in the New York Times mentorship program. And one of 20 in the whole nation. One of 20 in the nation. That means he was in the top, what, 5%, yo, or something like that, top 1%, whatever. The kid is on fire. Congratulations to Holden. Congratulations to you taking the South by storm down there. Coach D running wild in the South. Uh, and and Dennis, uh, all joking aside, you know, we love you here. You know, I love you here. I've known you for a long time. Uh, as I always say, one of the original sports grumblings guys been with, with me at least 20 years at least. Um, thank you for joining us on tonight's show. Everyone check them out on the Substack Coaching State of Mind. Go to substack.coachingstateofmind.com dot com uh and and you'll and you can sign up for his newsletter hey send him a video have the coach break down your your shooting have him break down your game if you have a kid or something i did it i took my kid's video i said oh yeah and i said what do, what do you think of my kid's shot coach d and he broke it down for me so you know you guys can do the same if you're if you're good to coach d dennis any last words um just want to say you know we had a long off season you know so it's just great to be back on. It's great seeing you because, you know, obviously we don't live close to each other anymore. And, you know, uh, not to be on the other team, but as long as I love you, bro. You oh, know? man, thank you. I appreciate it. You know that. And uh, until next time, everyone, we'll have Dennis back as soon as the season kicks off in the NBA. And until then, next time, me and William, we'll talk about more points on the board. Peace out, everyone.